Scope, a podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines and music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm Post Wendell Burns, and I'm kind of proud to say my horse. How's it going, man? It's going. Yeah, it's going, man. Good. How's <laughs> everything? Yeah, man. Going good, bro. Um, uh, definitely have a lot of topics to get into, as usual. And um, for this episode, we're going to get into um, thoughts on the Aero Spence and Terrence Crawford mega fight coming up. Um, also, uh, some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of the new Mission Impossible dead reckoning part one um to start off with just thoughts on on the harold spence and terrence crawford fight and you know these two are going to fight july 29th in las vegas this is the the fight for expenses wbc wba and ibf titles and this is both their first appearance in the ring this year um obviously you know they've got a combined record of 67 and oh their their record speaks for them for itself what are your thoughts on this mm-hmm. mega fight about to happen and also just the, fa- the fact that this is their first time meeting uh you know, stepping into the ring uh, for this calendar year. There's been a there's been a lot of talk for a while. Bud wanted Errol Spence Jr. Obviously, he got the multiple belts, and uh, you know, I've been looking at these behind the fight fight pass and learning all more access. about the fighters where they're from yeah. and all access and just thinking like Errol Smith, Errol Smith Jr. saying like I was the reason why this fight is happening because. I want you now. I want to shut you up like I shut every other opponent that I've had in the in the past four or five years. And just looking at both of those fighters, they match up pretty well. And I and I think it's going to come down to who who can get into the fire and adjust quicker. And I think it's going to be similar to Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia fight. How we knew coming in, Javante Davis had that upper upper hand on him because he knows he kind of dips and night, you know shelter himself when he throws the throws the left hook and i believe errol smith jr will be the one who puts himself in the fire and figures it out and then adjusts really quickly he's going to knock blood out but i but i do think this is going to be a great fight it's good for boxing the, yeah, the only thing fight. now is after this fight fight great for boxing after this fight is done i'm i'm thinking like what's next because i don't want boxing to fizzle out because now they're getting all these big fights that we want and now it's not going to be the same. The fighter's not going to be the same after a loss. I don't think Ryan Garcia is the same after he lost to Javante Davis. <laughs> so who will he fight? Will it be a matchup? Would it be a Canelo and Triple G uh, effect? Would they go try to go three? But I don't know. I, I do think Errol Smith Jr. is going to win this fight. Eighth, eighth, ninth round. He'll figure it out. He's going to knock Bud out. Yeah, and that was another question I, I had about it because the – the fact that these guys are are, are, are just are, are so prolific, um, they're elite at what they do. They have that uh, that that type of power. It's very interesting to, to see like how can this how can this um, how can this extend? Will it be one of those fights that that goes to a decision, or is it going to be one of those fights that ends like you know earlier? And like you said, you think it's going to end eighth, eighth or ninth round? Um, you know, Marvin Hagler and, and, and Tommy and, and Tommy Hearns like they had only three rounds as one of the greatest fights ever, but it was like power pack. Yeah. How, like, like, do you think it's just one of those just natural occurrences when you have two guys like this that that are just um, so so prolific at what they do? It's just bound to end before the decision. Oh, for sure. This is one of the the mega fights people were looking for. They've been talking about it for a couple of years. They finally got the deal done. Just looking at both these guys' records, they're both are more than capable of knocking guys out, getting those 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 those, those necessary points at the tail end. But I, like you said, I don't think this is going to decision. I think these guys want to give a show. They want to give a show for the the sport of boxing. It's just 
somebody has to get knocked out. This is not a decision fight. Yeah. This is not Mayweather and uh, <laughs> uh, Manny Pacquiao. This is not going to 12th round. These guys are not trying to play prolific defense. These guys are trying to knock their heads off. So I think that's exactly what we're going to get when you have these heavy hitters type fighters going against each other. They're going to try to make a make a make a show, and they're going to yeah. try to knock each other heads off. And that's what you want in boxing these days, because boxing is is not the same. It's not the same. Oh man, it's, it's not it the there. same. We're having to get this these not these the mega. We're having to get these fights like like this this year especially, and even I mean last year obviously getting Javante Davis and and, and um. And Ryan Garcia fight was major because that would have been in the works for, for a couple of years. And then this fight, we're finally starting to get those like top tier fights again. But like you said, we don't want this to be it. You know, we want this kid to, to keep going. Um, and and looking at the landscape of boxing, like in terms of just like, you know, who's the best boxer right now? Like, like, who would you say is that is that guy? Like, obviously, Canelo is, is still um, elite at, at what he's doing. Um, he did have that 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 loss recently against you know uh, Dimitri of the bowl, but it was in a a different yeah. weight class than he's used to. And Garcia, um, Tank, like 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 they, they they're still in that in that rank of, of trying to get to that that top spot. Obviously, with, with what um Gervonta Davis did, he's he's still undefeated. Devin Haney, um, uh, had mm-hmm. had a win against Lomachenko. Like, who do you is that top guy? Because and it may be one of these guys, uh, Crawford or, or Errol Spence. It's it's the Gypsy King. That's the best boxer right now. It's 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 him. <clears throat> Just giving the story that he's come back and then he's taking over the heavyweight the heavyweight reign. Now he's fighting guys like uh, the new fight he's about to have because he's beat everybody in boxing. Nobody wants to fight him. Uh, the guy came from UFC. Uh, for forgot his name. Uh, Got you know he didn't get signed to UFC anymore, and he went over. Oh, now and I think they're yeah, I forgot God, who hits like Mike Tyson, big tall guy. I can't remember his name. Um, his face is in my head. Looks like a, a upside down owl. I <laughs> <laughs> what a description. <laughs> but his name escapes me. It's crazy. I love MMA. Oh my God! But I think he's the best boxer. Just. He does. He looks like he's not a boxer. He looks like he's supposed to just be a farmer or something. But Gypsy King is the best boxer. He's have every intangible things. He fights unorthodox. He he moves extremely swiftly and quick for be a big guy. Has that knockout punch. Has that not give up factor as we saw with Deontay Wilder. Him getting crushed with a, a crazy blow and then outboxing him the rest of the match to go to the decision. So I think Gypsy King is the, the best boxer. Right now, hands down. Just the amount of things he had to overcome and then so come much. back and just destroy the heavyweight. Yeah. He's to me, he's the best boxer. To me. I don't know how you feel, but to me that's Gypsy King is the best boxer. And 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 that's and that and that's a great point because of how much he's had to overcome. Like to to, to me, like Crawford is still that guy until he loses. I want to say Canelo, but that loss against Dimitri Bivol, like that, that takes him down a notch because of the yeah. fact that he still has to he has to go for that rematch if he wants. And we're literally about to talk about you know uh, what's the next big fight for for Canelo because he kind of is that like that right. household name now. Um, on outside of Bivol, the only loss he had was to Floyd, and I mean everybody lost to Floyd. I mean like that's nothing 
uh, to to to, re- to really nitpick at. But to you, like, do you feel as though the, the Dimitri Bivol rematch is like the main one? Because I feel as though like that's probably the next big fight he's got to like t- go after again to really kind of you know um, uh, move forward. I don't think so, because he's still a big name um, in multiple weight classes. I think you have to, for him, yeah, he he had that loss. He looked terrible. He didn't look like himself. I don't think anybody's going to hold him against him too much, because outside of that loss, it's, you know. So I don't think he should do that rematch. It's not a Triple G-type vibe. Now, if it was something on that on the in those terms, then yes, rematch. But I think if he rematches, he's going to destroy him, and that would be a waste of his time because he's not in his prime anymore. So I don't want you don't yeah. want to waste those those years on a on a fluke. You like okay, you got it, you won. If I fight you again, I'm gonna you know kill you. So I don't want to <laughs> waste my time. It's a I, I think fighting him again would be a pride thing. So it's it's a, it's a bunch of guys out here that he could fight. Uh, Air, Air, Edgar Berlanga, I think, is one that that promotionally looks well w- would do fine in 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 uh, pay per view because they he has a relationship with both promotional companies. I think uh, he has a fight, yeah, June twenty fourth against uh, Jason Quigley, and um, I think that'll be a good fight for him. I think they match up decently well. We'll see what he does in the Jason fight, but I think that fight would would, would be a pay per view. Uh, success, not a nightmare, because pay per view right now is is not as as electric as it was when Floyd Mayweather yeah. was. Yeah, so now you have to get a fight that two promotional companies work well with each other. They'll fish out a deal. It'll be do well in the pay per view. They fight. I think they line up uh, perfectly. Then he'll have a fight June twenty fourth. Well, no, June twenty fourth of next year, I believe. Yeah, next year because he's yeah. been out. I think for yeah for a year or so. So he'll fight him next year, and then he'll be able to to see if he can fight Canelo. I think that matches up really well, just because of the promotional. Because that's what it basically is now in boxing. Does the numbers match up? It's the, it's just not if the boxing matches up anymore. It's who, what's the numbers look like? Yep. What 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 the are the parameters of the box? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and now getting to, into to the NBA and summer league, and just kind of thoughts on Keontae George's performances. Uh, for, uh, for for the Jazz, you know, he had a, a really impressive uh, few games, scoring 33 in his Las Vegas uh, debut, went 10 of 10 from the free throw line uh, when he's struggling from the outside and really looks like he can be Utah's primary ball handler in the future. Like, what are your thoughts on what on how he's doing, on how, on how he did for Utah? Because like, that's a really bright, bright spot for Utah and what they're kind of going to do going forward. Yo, <laughs> guy looks really good. Really, really good. Um, I I felt that he was going to take a minute to be able to like get into the swing of things, but yo, he's been cooking. I think the uh, the game, couple games, I think it was against either the Kings. He had thirty three points, ten assists. Like he has that I'll take over mentality, but he also has that facilitation mentality yes. as well. And I think you're gonna definitely need it as a role player trying to get on either the starter role or come off the bench. So I think he's he's showing what he can do if let off the leash. But I also think he's showing that hey, I can be a role player, I can facilitate when when possible, and I can play good defense. So I the kid surprised me. I thought it was gonna take him a while. Coming from Baylor, I thought it will take him, you know, transition to playing uh 
with Utah. And I think you that's exactly what Utah needs right now. They need a type of guy like that. And then yeah. if he gets into the starter role, they need to unleash him. Unleash him. Let oh, him play. Sure. Let him let the guy yeah. play. Don't Utah, hold him back. Don't, they haven't don't been do any same, management. Man. <laughs> yeah. Um that <laughs> we don't like low management. We don't. We're not on this <laughs> not on this podcast. Um but but now getting to Cam Cam Whitmore's just impressive no, play play for the Rockets, you know. Any questions that that were surrounding him before put to rest? He averaged nineteen point three points, five point two rebounds, and two point three assists over six games. And even though he's ball dominant most of the time, he can still be an effective playmaker. Um, he he really just was dominant uh, throughout the summer league. Really made his mm-hmm. presence known. Um, was aggressive, and I feel as though just like how we said for Utah, um, with what Houston's doing in terms of you know bringing on Fred, Fred Van Vliet, um, Dylan Brooks, they're shifting to a different mode in a different era. And I feel as though he's kind of be one of those key young guys to, to, to really help them in what they're trying to do going forward. Like, like what's get out to you in terms of his production in summer league? You know, I think he has a chip on his shoulder, you know, being yeah. drafted, uh, you know, number 20, fall into number 20. A lot of guys went out, <clears throat> excuse me, before him that I thought that was not better than him, but it was a better situation for the organization. So now I think he has a chip on his shoulder. He's going to a team that's <laughs> oh my gosh, unseasoned, unseasoned. Yeah, that's the word. Got a that's lot the of they spent a <laughs> undisciplined too, man. They're very undisciplined, but I think he can help change the the culture there. And I think Dylan Brooks, Fred, Fred Van, Van Van Fleet can also Van change Fleet. the culture. <laughs> but I don't know Van Fleet. My 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 teeth won't let me. Warm words today. You don't have to point it out, brother. (laughs) Brother. But uh, (laughs) on my head top, aren't you? (laughs) Aren't you? But but no, I think you had a chip for this. Why do you speak my name? (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) You know? know? But uh, (laughs) I do think he has the, uh, the, the... the chance to win rookie of the year. I think he's that good. He's shown that he's that good and he can help change the culture there. Hopefully these guys get around each other, gel up these veteran players and Fred Van Fleet. See, look at my teeth. that won't let me open. (laughs) Fred Van Fleet, (laughs) Dylan Brooks, all these veteran guys who have experience going to the, you know, the, 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 the postseason can get these guys together, get them focused because they have, you know, raw talent that has not been tapped into yet. It just needs direction and discipline and they need to be seasoned. And I think he can help do that even coming being a rookie. I think he was that good this summer. Yeah. And I mean, like also when you look at um, Amy Adoka being the coach there and the, he, he brought like a defensive mentality to Houston. Uh, I mean, I mean mm-hmm. to Boston when mm-hmm. he was there and brought him to the finals. Now to Houston, he's going to try to do, do the same thing. Like, do you think it's going to be one of those things where, Maybe obviously, like like this, this is a team that that doesn't have the same amount of talent as other teams in the West right now. But do you think it could be one right. of those those teams where like, hey, like let's let's gain a defensive identity before we try to get to that to, to that like elite spot when we're really years away from from having that same amount of talent as other teams do. Absolutely. And I think that's what he did with the Celtics, even with the, the, the amazing talent he had there. I think it was more so defense. You look at Marcus Smarts. Marcus Smarts elevated himself while he was there. 
Yes. That's when Marcus Sparks became a full all-around point guard when oh, yeah. he was at the head coach Ram Rain, sorry. And so him going to a team that's undisciplined, don't like they're just loose cannons. John Wall said it himself. We got a deeper insight when John Wall did that that interview. So him going there, he has to change that culture. It could it has to be defense and has to be team oriented. So I think he can do it. If anybody can go there and do it, I think he can. And then being able to have those certain veteran guys that have been in the postseason, have that experience will help out too and be that voice. But I do think they'll listen to him because he has that experience. Look what I did for the Celtics. Look, you know, look, look, look at my resume, what I've done. We can do that. Look at all the talent they have in Houston that has not jailed yet because they don't have the, the right leadership. And I think he's the right leadership. Yeah, definitely. And, and before we move on, um, uh, Draymond was recently on uh, on Patrick Beverly's podcast talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> all these all these like podcasts are now becoming just like gossip sessions in a sense because like he, Draymond was like, yeah, like honestly, if I if I'm ever gonna punch somebody in the face, it's not just gonna be just because of one situation. It's it's gonna be a buildup. And then Jordan Poole's yeah. dad was like, if yeah. I saw him today, I would punch him in the face. Like he just straight up said it. <laughs> <laughs> like and it, it's you was avoiding like, like, me all year exactly like like what do you think of like like when these when these players move to different situations we always hear a different story after they're gone like throughout the season it's going to be like oh like everything's good we're going to keep it moving like what what did you think about just the aftermath of the Draymond Jordan Poole situation and just how much that had an effect on, on Jordan Poole eventually leaving that's the time Damian Litter said it as well in a couple of interviews that he didn't like Jordan Poole because Jordan Poole, like one game, he was just talking like, bro, like you you hit one three against me and just start going bananas, going crazy, talking outside your neck. So I understood that's a buildup because you're a young kid. I know you, you're trying to, you know, set the tone, make yourself known, say things. But after a while, you have to back up what you say. And daddy's not going to be there to save you. And I do think it's an accumulation of things because Draymond is not the type of guy to just swing on you just because. Because right. if you look at that video, be a reason. remember the video? Yeah, he walked away, then turned around. Mm-hmm. So it had to be something really crazy for him to say, for him to go back and just not even wait to put his set up, just knock him out. He knocked, he knocked Joe the pool up. Joe the pool got knocked out. Down for the count. I don't know. You want some too, old man? No. <laughs> what you no. think you gonna do? Your son got knocked out. What you gonna do? You about fifty five? Get out of here. That's crazy. <laughs> so when Damian Lillard came out with his story, it just kind of aligned. Like, yeah, Jordan Poole talks a lot, a lot of crap that he does not back up. Yeah. So it's consequences and repercussions. Did he? Sh- Yes, mm-hmm, for sure. Definitely. Hope he doesn't go over there thinking he can do the same thing because, you know, you in D.C., brother. Some of them boys <laughs> yeah. are crazy. Yeah, some, some of them are really DC. crazy. So <laughs> This isn't West Coast. <laughs> right. We're not going to give you – they're going to give you no chances to keep talking. Bro, yeah. shut up for something happened. Mm-hmm. You think Draymond did you dirty. That, that's exactly what I would say. You think Draymond did you dirty. Keep talking. Yeah. That's exactly what I would say. Definitely. But that's um, crazy. Talking about. And then, oh, good, good, good. No, no, I'm just saying that that was a crazy story. Just, just, and, and the aftermath, like, y'all are really keeping this going. <laughs> yes, bro. And then his dad was like, and then I think Draymond responded, he was like, bro, 
how can I dodge you for an entire year when I have to go get my family out the room where you at? Mm-hmm. The stories don't align. They don't. They don't. It does not all. align. Just talk it. Just talk it. Um, and now get into our first album review with Mahalia's IRL. Um, in her second album, it contains slick neo soul R and B, and she's in a very you know confident state with the addition of big name performances. Um, she shows in this project more than ever that that you know she's a star. She's star enough to hold her own in certain aspects. And uh, to, to me, like I, mm-hmm. I I like this project because the second half of it, I think she even went more into the vintage sound that she that she's into. The, the first half had good tracks as well. I thought this was a solid sophomore album. Um, I, and and I think it was a good. A, a, a good like maturity display of where she's at in her career now. Obviously, we we, we like her a lot on, yeah. on the show. What she does. Um, what did you think about this album overall? And just you know, um, how she followed up her first project. I'm glad you said that because you know she's young. She's she's not. I don't think she's older than 25. I think she's below 25. So to be able to hone hone your sound this quickly. And a lengthy project. It's 19 songs. It's pretty long. But I do think the second half was better than the first half. The first half did have some some great tracks, but I think her so sound was implemented even more. I'm so, I'm more so glad we got the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The second half was very strong. I think that's I think that's really great for her to be able to have. Because you know, first half of an album can be so crazy, and then the second half be like, hmm. You should have probably mixed the songs around to make it a full, to make it everything strong. But Let's I think flip this time. <laughs> you can have, yeah, you can have that first half to be like, okay, this is cool, and then you know after halftime, let's get let's get to it. So I think that's that's really dope for her to be able to do that. But I do think it's a solid project. I think the I didn't expect JoJo to be on here. Um, I was not expecting Stormzy that. <laughs> was a, a decent feature. Yeah, me neither. Stormzy was a good. Uh, Good feature. Every time I hear Stormzy, I just <laughs> it's just funny to me. I don't like why he raps. I don't know, bro, because he's from you know over there, and it's just always interesting. He's a funny dude, but Stormzy he got bars. And then um, yeah, this from some good tracks. What's up was a good track. Uh, lose lose was definitely a good track. Lose lose. I like many petty. Yes, it was crazy, man. It was losing. So yeah, I think this was thirteen. This was thirteen tracks. So it wasn't wasn't concise. This was thirteen tracks, so it was it was was concise. Oh, I'm looking at the deluxe. I say the (laughs) deluxe. Yeah, yeah. The the deluxe has nineteen songs. Damn, what is you keep calling me out? (laughs) No, I was just no, no, no. I I was just I was just saying I wanted to. We we love concise albums, and Mahalia she followed up on our on what we like. I I just wanted it to to you know. Let the listeners know she she followed the full scope, the nah. full scope pattern, full scope pattern. Well, it's out to get albums. me. Nah, well, it's out to get me, y'all. He, <laughs> this podcast, he's out to get me, guys. <laughs> Don't start this narrative. <laughs> Sorry, thirteen songs. I'm looking at the deluxe album. It's thirteen songs. It's precise. She's yeah. She's in the confines of. Full school podcast criteria it's can't it. be that lengthy. The deluxe. I'm sorry. Look after the pink tape. After the pink tape, we love. <laughs> after 26 songs with two bonus tracks, <laughs> that's crazy, on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we will we will take 13 songs any day any day of the week. But but yeah, lose lose was amazing to me. Um, like 
like yeah. overall, were there were there any other were, were there any other tracks that you feel feel as though just were main go tos or ones that like, hey, I got to run that back, back again. Manny Petty was uh, was really dope, and I may be looking at the uh, deluxe. I listened to the deluxe. I didn't see the other one when I went on Apple Music, but um, Hey Stranger. Well, I think I like that one. That was a nice one. Um, Terms and Conditions really, I think, was underrated. It sounded for some reason. That was a single. That was a single before. Yeah. And within the album, it sounded Mm -hmm. a lot better. Yeah. It fit right snugged in that little third spot right between. So that's what I'm saying. If, If you know it's not a single song, don't drop it as a single. It strengthens it. On the album. And it, I think that's why I say it's underrated now because it flow, it made the first half of the album really, 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 really strong. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love her placement of songs too. I love her placement of songs in this album. But yeah, Definitely. but West Collins, I think was the best one. Lose Lose was the best song in this album. That's the one. That's certain songs you just hear and you're like, that's the yeah. one. <laughs> that was the one, definitely. Um, and, and you don't I'm gonna, skip it. Don't at yeah. all. Don't at all. That's just one you just run back to. I, I literally repeated that one like two or three times. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't get off of that one. That one was amazing. <laughs> um, and, and now getting to, to our, our, our next review with Elena's self-portrait of, of a woman unraveling. Um, in her debut album, she discusses her journey inward and her lyrical and, and uh, melodic skills show her songwriting capabilities. Um, soul and R&B uh, was the genre for this one that she tries to tap into and is her main sound. Um, there's soft beds of sense and, and emotional sen- sensitivity. And this is this is like, this is a, as a debut album, this is a really interesting one because you're really kind of starting, it, it feels like more of, of, of storytelling within the songs and, and her trying to bring people onto her journey. Um, what were your thoughts on this album as, as a debut and and, and um, what she can do going forward? Yeah, yeah, I definitely love her sound. There's a similar artist who's not as big as her, Named Sam Lynch. It is more like a folktale type of vibe. But I think her her mastering is a bit different. Her voice is slightly different. But I, I love that folktale storytelling, really taking your time. I think that that style of music has like has declined over the years because obviously the demand of different music or certain type of music is at all time high. But I, I love that folk talky, you know. I, I used to listen to Bob Dylan in college. You know, <laughs> I know that's, that might be weird, but Bob Dylan, I used to listen to music all the time in college and um, I love, I love that type of vibe. And she, with this album, no, I don't think it was an album. Was it? It was more, it was yeah, an album. you could call it that. Yeah, it was an album. Yeah. And I thought, yo, this is like, this is something you play. You don't think about anything at the moment. And then once you're like done with you're doing and you just sit there and it takes you, takes yes. you on a journey. That's the perfect I description. Was, like, you know. Exactly. Like, I think I listened to this um, going to different while well, I was uh, at work because, you know, I travel, go to different places, do home visits or whatever. And then uh, I stopped driving. I pulled over and I was just looking at my uh, notes or whatever. And I just started hearing it. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's literally how I listened this to is it on okay. drive, on it while, while I was driving. <laughs> That's literally how I did. <laughs> yeah, this is dope. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's amazing, bro. Her voice is crazy. And, um, 
Yeah, this was yeah, self portrait of a woman unraveling. What a freaking name! What a title! What a that, title, bro! Yeah, it, the creativity that of the title got me. as well. I just I just love when yes. artists even put effort into just the title of their album. Just in the picture, it's it's so crazy. It has I feel to me I feel like it has so many meanings because the yes. blurred it's a self portrait of an unraveling, so you don't get the full full features or whatever because she doesn't even know who she Just, come, on, come on brother now. come on now hey come yeah <laughs> well let's say i don't know where you found her i don't know where you found her well let's say but good job i haven't given you one of these in a minute good job hey, even though you try to take my head trying to take my head today yeah. on my head top not on the head top not on the head top <laughs> not on the head top not on the mandem <laughs> don't start that narrative <laughs> Man, but this was when I was nervous. I didn't know if you were gonna like this one because I was like, Save, I don't know if Savon's ever heard of her. So this was this was a bit of a risk, but I'm glad I'm, I'm definitely glad, glad you like this one, bro. I, I I really really like the concept, the identity of it, and just just her storytelling. Like this was just really this was really good driving music as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I like I like this type of music. It's not as much saved, but there's like three or four artists I listen to that has that that same feel. Because, yeah. you know, at some points, I, I listen to this, like, when I write, um, when I'm just, like, doing miscellaneous stuff. But most of the time, I listen to it when I write because it gives me, like, inspiration to be able to um, either poetry or in a journal or anything. I think it, it kind of ignites creativity in me because it helps me tell the story like they're telling the story. But anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to our next few with Coco Jones and Justin Timberlake's ICU uh, remix. Um, in this newly released released remix, there was a great level of chemistry as the new harmonic choices for the track highlight the texture of, of both singers' voices, but still showcases the depth of um, Coco's voice. Uh, you know, this is this is just one of those songs that it just like it's almost like how 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 SZA had had that had a, had, a, had a couple songs from Control um, a few several years ago that just you know Love Galore and The Weekend that just had everybody just in a chokehold. You would listen to it whenever it was on. Um, to, you know, to me, this is just one of those songs. Every time it's on, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna keep listening. Then yeah, you add a legend like Justin Timberlake to it. Um, I thought that was just a really interesting mix. Um, of voices. Like, what did you think about this remix and and, and uh, how it sounded? Don't kill me, everybody. I don't like the. I didn't like the original one. I don't like really? this one. Yeah. Did we ever review her her her, her um EP? I don't think we. No, I'm not. I'm not a fan of her. Okay, I'm pretty sure I don't think we reviewed her, it. I don't think her I'm music is sure. good. Maybe gotta go back to the archives. Maybe I don't remember, but <laughs> yeah, go, <laughs> yeah, go back to. I don't. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of this. Um, it was more harm 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 <laughs> more harmonizing. Than than song, which is cool in some aspects, but it just I don't know it just didn't do anything for me. And even when adding Justin Timberlake in there, I just didn't. Yeah, I don't think this is a single song. To me, I don't. I don't think it's a song. single song. I don't think the the original. This is yeah, it's a lot of radio song. play. It's, it's gonna get it's a lot the, of radio play though. It's gonna- <laughs> yeah, because it's Justin Timberlake who doesn't <laughs> sing anymore and charges a million dollars to perform. <laughs> for a feature. Of course, it's gonna. <laughs> Nah, no, not for a feature, to perform. He charges a million dollars to do a set of 30 minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, bro. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. He's that. He's up there. He's up there yeah, he's like a, that. He yeah, can charge million yeah. dollars. It's, it's at that echelon with, with JT. It's, it's, at, it's at that with him. He's not just, he's not just yeah, doing any, yeah. he's not doing any charity work. He's not doing any charity work for y'all. <laughs> he, he must have really liked this song to, to come out and hop on this, which is, which is cool. Like, obviously a lot of people like this song. Obviously we had a lot of play, uh, radio play, but I think this is like a end of a project song. Like this is the last song. A closer. On the album That's a good point. EP. Yeah. Closer. closer track. This yeah. is a closer track. I'm I'm not ready to close. I don't want to close the time. I'm not ready to hear that just yet. Yeah. I'm not. Well, let's say, go you ahead, laugh. Hear, hear. Come on, laugh. <laughs> Come on, laugh, bro. You was like this. You go ahead. You know you want to laugh. Close it time. That's come on. <laughs> give me my prop. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm, but but I'm just stunned. You didn't like this. I'm because I literally remember us reviewing this EP and you said you liked it a lot. That I'm like having to think back. Maybe this was the song you said you didn't like because you said there were a couple songs you didn't like from this. But I think, I guess I this said I like Coco. You said you liked the EP she put out, but I, I, maybe this was one yeah, of the tracks. We have to go to archives. Yeah, yeah, definitely have to go to the archives because we review a lot of music. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> but it just it just didn't do it for you. It just it just for you not no, a single song, not like a single a, song. Not a single song into the project track. It was a lot. Of, it was too much harmonizing. It wasn't no context. It wasn't. It was just uh, like it was. It was nothing. It was just emptiness. It was like in the in an abyss. Just a lot of nothing. Just in outer space. There's nothing for me to gravitate to in this song. Not to enough me. substance. Because I listened to it twice. Yeah, it was not enough substance. It's nothing for me to gravitate to. Like the harmonizing was, uh, it was really dope. But for me, if I'm listening to a track and I think it's really, really great, it has a lot of, it checks a lot of boxes. And this song for me didn't check a lot of boxes. And obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you know what boxes we're talking about. So I have to get back into that. So if you don't <laughs> listen do to the podcast, bro. <laughs> bro. <laughs> bro. Bro. <laughs> Um, and, and now getting into our next week with Currency and Harry Fraud's uh, Vices. Um, in this new project, Harry Fraud gives hard and antique production and rich samples. The, that Miami Vice soundtrack serves as the inspirational inspiration overall. And Currency um, executed this as just a high level and understood what flows need to be brought on these types of tracks. Um, Currency to me is just on a run right now. Like anything he puts out, it's going to work. I was just about to say that. He's just on a run right now. He's just he's he, he's in his lane. He's he's definitely in his lane. He's just flowing. He's putting out music um at, at a rapid rate and, and I, I like this project a lot thoroughly I, I i feel as though the features on here fit it and if you're trying to have a miami type of sound to this it do, it sounds like a project you would hear in miami it has the miami vice feel too i just thought it was really good music mm-hmm. lyricism and, and it just was it was just top tier um uh, a type type of project oh yeah and you look at the features dope features got benny on there jim jones yeah, I, I really like Jim Jones' verse. Larry June gave an amazing verse for, uh, for Marble Columns. GT, I never knew who Rome Street is, but he um, started listening to Morris music because of that track. So, I, yeah, this is really, man, he's underrated. He's on a run, like you said. No Jay-Z, Beyonce on a run, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, he's batting a thousand. Say what I was <laughs> yeah, bro. He cannot miss, man. Right now, he's in a nice groove. And I yes. hope people start to recognize how great of a rapper he is in lyrics. Listen to him more. 
because like you said, this definitely sounds like Miami, which is crazy because he's not from Miami At to, all. to duplicate <laughs> that sound. Is bananas B A N A? It's like asking. It's like asking but an yeah. East Coast rapper. It's like asking an East Coast rapper. Hey, can you make like a West Coast album? <laughs> they can't do it. They can't do it. You you imagine E Forty trying to rap <laughs> like you from New York? I can't imagine it, bro. They can't do it. But nah, this was yeah underrated, bro. Underrated and it's nine tracks, Wellington. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Concise. I, 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 saw, I saw a tweet uh, a couple weeks ago about how can we bring back the nine track albums? You know what I mean? Like, because that used to be a thing. That actually used to be a thing. Yes. Where it was just nine tracks yes. and all of them are really good and you kept playing it for, for, for months. I think, do you, let me pose a question. Do you think the albums are longer because of labels not able to making them not be able to drop music or are artists less less creative than back in the day to do nine songs i think it's it's the creativity i i don't think the creativity is is at the obviously the label that affects it but i think the creativity is diminished yeah and they're having to use those filler tracks they're having to hey like let's manipulate yeah. the streams let's let, let's add different types of songs where we're not giving our full effort and it's gonna it's gonna be a casual type song but it's not the best of what we can do this is why Wellington gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> Did you hear that answer? Come on. Don't play with Willow like that. Don't Great play answer, bro. That's exactly what I was looking Yeah. That's exactly what I was looking for. Spot on, bro. It's just so it's Artists just so obvious. Creative. It's just so obvious. We're not yeah. we're not seeing that same effort and passion. Like, hey, the nine tracks I put out, it's all gonna be heat. We don't we don't get that anymore. Yeah. No, like, bro, I don't understand like now we get 20, 30, 40. <laughs> this ain't a mixtape, bro. This your album. Yeah. They got to be concise. Give us, you. if you can't be creative in nine to 15 songs, bro, then you shouldn't do You don't do really this. need to put out an album. You don't really need to put <laughs> You don't. Go mixtape route. Just drop mixtapes if you want to drop 30, 40 songs. Yeah. The, the albums, albums used to mean a lot, honestly. It used to be, like, albums are yes. so casual now, but it, an album used to really mean like, hey, this is this is serious. This is a serious attempt. Like this, this shows who I am as an artist, and that people can take me serious. Exactly. And I and I and I, I if we had like if we were on like a huge stage like Joe Budden and all those guys, <clears throat> I would like. Dang, I can't even think of the word. <laughs> <laughs> Put a symbol, something like like a symbol. Challenge, challenge. Okay, challenge, yeah. challenge. Yeah. Thank you. I would challenge artists to do albums in nine to fifteen songs. Be concise. Be creative. How you know what I mean? Because we had this conversation about doing verses to old school and new school, yeah. and that we pose like pose that too. So, I, if we were on that stage like Joe Bud and them, I would challenge artists to do a nine album song. And be and you know give it your best. Be creative. How many artists do you think would probably answer that call? I'm be I'm going to give you the answer. Yes, zero, it's zero. It's zero, man. That's yeah. crazy. They're like in this era with streaming, no, no, They're we like, can't we do that. that. We, we need more. <laughs> um, and now getting to our next uh, a review with with Conway the Machine's uh, drum work. Uh, the album in this new compilation the album it includes 12 tracks that highlights uh, the incredible team of artists Conway signed to his label 
It's just got great soulful beats, solid lyricism, and great features from, from the, the drum work uh, members. Um, Conway is another guy that, that we're both fans of. And I think this this compilation, it has a, a lot of just... just it, the, these artists, to me, are just really going for it in all of, the, all of these tracks. And the beat selection, and I, I think, is really solid, um, concise, uh, a 12-track type of album as well. Uh, what did you think about this album and just, you know, the compilation feature of it? Solid, solid album. Uh, when I saw D Smoke on uh, one of the tracks, I was like, oh, they got D Smoke. Okay. I think D Smoke is one of those underrated rappers too, who actually, you know, were on the rhythm and flow, whose brothers with Sir, mom yeah. toured with everybody and everybody. And he doesn't get a lot of recognition anymore now, but I think he's such a dope rapper, such a dope artist. But yeah, I thought it was very solid. Um, the B selection was was amazing, and then you got the the features. Some of these guys I haven't heard of. You get to hear them, the different styles of their, their writing and rapping. I thought I really enjoyed this. And thirteen songs, Wellington, concise yes. in there. I think every song played into each other. It, it was mo- it was smooth. You can tell these guys have been around each other for a period of time because they gel so well, and all their voices and cadences they match up on the beats and just co, co- they know how to coexist on tracks. It's similar to, I want to say, G-Unit, because all those guys, yeah. I, I don't think one guy stood out the most, but everybody had their their way of coexisting and knowing what fits the track, what the track needed. I think this yeah. is the similar way, the, the formula. Because you can listen, obviously, you, you see when somebody going to the booth, they do their track, and you're like, okay, that's, how, that's what flow he did, so I'm going to do this flow to bring this out. I hope this is what they do, because... Yeah. That's that's my train of thought, but I, I love the way how they construct the songs, the beats again, fire. Conway Machine always have some crazy beats, and I think I wanted more of him though, man. Yeah, I think the the Roy joint was um, uh, I think Roy actually helped produce that one, the 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 the, the, the track that, that 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 uh that's called the uh, uh, Roy joint joint he helped produce um because he's friends because obviously Conway was on Roy's album and um. And I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I guess they had a different, but, but like, like I said with Rory, if Rory could make a hip hop, <laughs> just a straight hip hop album, like assemble different rappers, like, cause, I think he, it'd be dope. cause, cause a song like that, when I heard that, I was like, man, he, he could get into that. Obviously the R&B album he put out was really good, but he could tap into the, the, the rap and hip hop lane as well. Yeah. And I forgot all about that. All about that track. Uh, yeah, Roy need to quit playing his drop an EP and then drop an album. <laughs> he needs to yeah, again. test the waters with the with the rap. <laughs> R&B was it was really dope. Really, really enjoyed. When he made it. That, but I do want. I did want uh, more Conway. Hmm. Nah, he should have had. Uh, Yeah, Roy should definitely do a hip hop. Now I just think I'm replaying the song in my head, <laughs> Re- replaying Roy joint in my head. Like heck yeah, you think need about, to go ahead think and about produce. How he ended a- his album with reason. He ended with a, a great reason. Yes, track. and I'm like, is that? I feel as though if you have, a, if you can bring an artist like that. He's obviously good friends with Reason. He's got a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. I think he really could put together a dope hip hop album. Maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he did that. Now he's on Conway. Maybe that last track. Maybe that last track yeah. from Reason was an intro to. <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be dope. I'm I'm all for it. But yeah, to go back to what you're saying, more Conway. Conway. 
Like yes. all the artists was cool, but I I listened to it because you're waiting of Conway. for the headlining guy. Conway's is, is a yeah, exactly. Because you get them in the the first track, and then you don't get them until uh, number eight, Elephant Man, like, which was a dope track. <laughs> yeah, Conway, are you not a machine? Are you sleeping, bro? What's going on, man? Come on, man. Um. And before we get to our last few, man, a lot of music is dropping tonight. Nas is dropping another album with, with Hit Boy. Uh, it's it's Magic Two. Snow Allegra is dropping a single. Um, Reason is what? dropping his out. Yes, she's dropping a single tonight. No, she's got an album. Co- That's crazy. <laughs> Reason is dropping um, his his album next Friday called Porches. Bro, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's heating up. It's heating up again. It's it's heating up again. Like like what what are your thoughts on on you the Nas come album? With it. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Nas? I mean, obviously, reason because we've been waiting for that one a while. We already know know what Nas is gonna do. That's like yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna like Kobe. We like we know what Kobe's gonna years. do every night. <laughs> Come on, bro. Still relevant, yeah. Mister Mister Relevant, relevant, bro. We already yes. know what he's gonna do. It's gonna be crazy. Lyricist bars. Oh, like we already know. But reason, his last album from to me was such a great project. He's gonna have. This this can't be a flop, bro. I'm gonna be upset as a flop. Yeah. I'm going to be so upset because I'm a Reason fan now. Yeah, bro. Because I'm ready for him to go on tour, and I might try to catch one of those shows. But if this if this album flop, I'm gonna be upset. Give us the feedback. Reason. Give us the feedback after, after, after the concert. Give us the feedback at the concert. Hey, Reason, <laughs> uh, what's up? <laughs> Full scope, uh, reporter. <laughs> bro, what's going on? Full scope, bro. Full scope, bro. Let me come talk to you. <laughs> but nah, I'm excited. I'm I'm more excited about Snow though. I didn't know she was Whoa. dropping anything. Yes. I haven't seen anything dropping on Instagram. A single, dropping a single tonight, man. I'm ex- I'm excited because Snow is one of our favorites. She just has a, a mm-hmm. heavenly voice, man. Like she's mm-hmm. she's great at whatever she puts mm-hmm. out, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got the stamp by the Purple Man himself, and I ain't oh, talking man. about the dude from McDonald's. I'm talking about <laughs> Prince, baby. The one and only. <laughs> the one and only. Chewy. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, the, the the new music is heating up. Nas, we're we we are we already know about Nas. We already know what Nas is gonna do. He's just in his zone. Him and Hip Boy are, are in his zone. Like, like like before we move on, like when you have a producer, a producer artist combination like that, do you feel as though it's one of those things where they just kind of have this this understanding of like, hey, like as long as we can keep doing this. Let's put out put out as much music as we can until you know the run ends. I think with some artists it's like that. Um, if if we're such a, a good collaboration, then okay, let's let's keep doing it. But I think sometimes you have to be strategic. But I think with Nas, he's so seasoned, so he's a he's a veteran in the game. He can do anything he wants. But if there's any other artist, you have to be you know precise of what you do, what you put out, even if you have you know success in the past with this producer is that sound still relevant to this day so with Nas he's relevant in any any style any year any any era Nas <laughs> is just one of the goats bro yep so <laughs> he can do anything he wants he could put out some trash what we think is trash and he'd still be the goat one of the goats so only yeah two I features. think it just depends on what type of artist only two features only two 50, features 50 stand and 21 Savage I'm not a fan of 21 no more, man. I'm a body catcher. That's a 21. I like 
like okay. back yeah. in the day, college days, 21. He was on that a was different, just like, all right, bro. He was in a different lane. Yeah, I'm older now. I'm not as childish as I was. But <laughs> getting 50 Cent, though, but getting yeah. the 50 Cent feature, is, it, that's going to be really interesting to, to, to see 50 and Nas on the track together. I hope it's a bop. I hope it's not that's no slow I track. I hope it's yeah, like don't do the slow track. him on the hook. Yeah, yeah, I hope 50's on the hook. Uh, some crazy bop, like you know what I'm saying, just like a, a nice up tempo type of beat and hook fifty on the suck and get him a verse. Oh yeah, and I think it's gonna it's gonna smack because Nas is gonna bring it regardless. But that's yeah. crazy. He put Twenty One Savage on the album. Yeah, last track. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last track. He was like, "Hey, I'm gonna give you everything you guys want." Them scratch Twenty One Savage feature at the end. <laughs> smart man smart smart, smart man, man. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the show now we're getting into our review of mission impossible dead reckoning part one and this is a 2023 spy action film directed by christopher mccray from a screenplay he co-wrote with eric jenderson it's a sequel to mission impossible fallout and the seventh installment in the mission impossible film series um dead reckoning part one sees tom cruise return as ethan hunt who's i have imf team uh, matches wits with rogue AI known as the Entity. The ensemble cast also features Haley Altwell, Bing Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Bergenson, Vanessa Kirby, Isai Morales, uh, Maria Guriga, uh, and Henry uh, Cerzini. Had a budget of $291 million and brought in $259.8 million to the box office. Had a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, what were your initial thoughts on the film? You know, that they had, had a terrific cast, you know, obviously high-level stunt. Uh, yeah. I, I think a long time we've had this wasn't an event movie. It's been a while since we had an event movie like this that everybody wanted to, to go see. But uh, what were some of your initial takeaways on it? Um, like we were talking about before we started the podcast, well, this segment, just a full circle of people who starting like the first two one coming back, yeah. like uh, uh, Isai Morales, who plays Gabriel. Um, obviously, we always get Rebecca Ferguson within the the movies, but she was in the the first couple ones. Then we get some new faces, but I love the full circle moments of why he got, why he became who he was, why he became a ghost, and all these like the 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 beginning plot that we we love from Mission Impossible. But then you get like new characters. We 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 get new stunts, like you said. We, we find him, Ethan Hunt, in again impossible situations obviously <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> but yeah i really enjoyed the film i'm gonna nitpick it a little bit but i i do say i really enjoyed it, it was it was really long longer than expected um longest one I I was gonna ever be done. a good long not a bad one. yeah because they and some of the stuff could have been left out just in my opinion but i overall thought it was a good film yeah i thought it was a good <laughs> definitely and, and i mean like it's interesting because um the last time we got a Mission Impossible film was Fallout, which I thought was a great, a great one. One of the best uh, they've had in, in the catalog. Um, to you, like, did you expect the wait to be this long, like a five-year wait? Because that one was in 2018. We get this one in 2023. Like, did, did you expect, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess I should ask, did you expect this to be a part one with the with the long wait that we'd already got? No, because I think that's where movies are going into. You yeah. look at the Fast then- series, Mission Impossible has... Yeah, Mission Impossible has the, the kind of the same lengthy uh, tenure, and then you get Fast get doing the parts. They're doing three parts, and now Mission yeah. Impossible is doing, I think, two, maybe maybe three, just in case. Just in just depends on what two, part two does, but I think they can stretch it out to the three parts just like Fast. But I do think that's where movies are going into. And then you have to write 
a a good film in Mission Impossible to make it work because we've similar it, they're similar to each other. It's the same. Uh, we're fighting against the impossible. We got to yeah. do the impossible. They're going to be crazy stunts. Similar but what makes it different now? Yeah, similar stories. Now AI is big now. So now you can, okay, we can write an AI God situation that started in Russia down and below. So the patience, I think, worked out well from now. It's relevant. The storyline can be relevant. And then now you get new viewers who never watched the Mission Impossibles. Because I think the first four were the best to me. Nah, well, nah. I like the second. Uh, the one he was running into the 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 sandstorm was really good when he was on the in Dubai. Oh, Ghost I think, Protocol. I forgot which one that was? Ghost Protocol. Yes, Ghost Protocol was yeah, really like good. Uh, the third one was really good. Philip, Philip I haven't. Yes. Where he was, so you know, yeah, trapped, so, and yeah, his he's about to, the guy was about to kill his wife. That that one was top top tier. Really good. <laughs> the third one, third one was really good. Exactly. So. So if you're going to follow those movies up, there has to be something. The storyline has to be different as well, semi-different and relevant. I think they did a great job doing so to do that, to bring in the AI, because essentially that's AI. Yeah. (laughs) To me. Essentially that's AI. Yeah. Um, And now getting to our first topic from one of four stars, uh, what would you give it? Um, I would go with three and a half. I was going to go four. But the opening scene, and this this is this is spoilers spoiler warning warning if you haven't haven't seen it. But yeah. the, but, but but the opening scene, um, with with with, with the with the boat sequence and, and that and and, and there yeah. and there being a bomb below, that I thought that one kind of dragged for an opening. And we were mentioning yeah. if they get right into the airport scene, that movie is full throttle yeah. from the jump <laughs> to yeah. all the way to the end, and there is no letting up. If they start with that, I'm like, everybody's fully in. Nobody's like kind of like being yeah. like, hey, what they're kind of like mellowing it out. What are they trying to get to? Like yeah. to you, what would be your particular rating from one of from one of four stars? Because I, I thought this I thought this was an exceptional film. I just think that opening part was yeah. was too much. Shot really well, too. Shot really, really well. Yes. Three and a half stars for sure. I think again, I agree with the opening scene and kind of lagged on. I understand you're trying to show how smart and rogue the AI or the, the God system thing can be. I get that, but that could have been used in the airport. Cause we see that yeah. in the airport again, because yeah. you know what I'm saying? Cause it was no bomb. It was trying to learn who you guys were mm-hmm. to fight against you. So even, <clears throat> excuse me, even the scene where he gets the job to, uh, kind of X out, um, Foss, try to save her and the, the, the sand, the sand or whatever shooting. Yeah. I thought that scene was redundant too. <clears throat> Cause we see that every movie you save her. That's the, the you save her. Then she Little goes redundant. off and do the same thing. We could have do without that. Get into the airport scene. Like the first scene could have been there. And then you have a little like five minute scene where they're in the office. I thought that was a decent scene that to lead into everything else. Yeah. But and from the, the airport jump, we all knew really that was Ethan set. Hunt. We all yeah. knew that guy was Ethan Hunt. That guy yeah. was he wasn't Obviously. making it. wasn't blinking. He wasn't blinking at all. <laughs> Looked like an artificial creative person. I'm like, this guy is not moving. <laughs> not moving at He's all. Stiff. And he just walks in the room. Doesn't like, say doesn't anything. Just like <laughs> just, just like, looking around, like, bro. Obviously that's Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously that's Ethan. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But as soon as they get in the airport, that's when everything changes. Because the people I went to the movies with, um, they fell asleep. 
Uh, so <laughs> I think if they would have jumped, <laughs> yes, bro, Man. they fell asleep, bro. I'm not gonna lie that if they would have jumped in right, it- that intro was boring. That intro, it, 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 like sometimes you have to admit, yeah. like you, it is an event movie, so people are expecting you to get right to it. So and, yeah, and, and they because they, 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 you they have definitely- like nine of them already. Yeah, <laughs> you got nine of them already. Just get into it, bro. We know what either he's it's Mission Impossible. So yeah, yeah. But anywho, we're we're yeah. we're tearing it apart right now. We're not even nitpicking. We're tearing it apart, <laughs> and we're saying it's a great film because the, it's it's so it the majority of the movie was so good. That's the thing. Like the majority of the movie, yeah. I really like. It's just like when we're talking about mm-hmm. ratings, we do kind of have to be a, a little little bit nitpicking because the last film Fallout, I feel as though from the jump, it just got to it. It didn't even yeah. it didn't even take any time. It yeah. just got to it. I guess that's what they were doing. It was like, maybe we need some more fluff. Now it's 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it deserved a 96. Maybe like a 90, 89%. But I digress. Rotten Tomatoes, is, they love it. They, they say, I five. Yeah. <laughs> five star. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and now getting to, to favorite character, um, I would go with Paris because she, to me, is just a scene stealer in terms of not being mm-hmm. a one-dimensional billing. Uh, the surprising redemption of, of this antagonist as an extra layer to her characterization. She, she barely has any dialogue in this film. There's not a lot of lot that she says, mm-hmm. but her presence is made known from the jump. She is, she's yes. going to wreak havoc. Yes. She's going to enjoy doing it. She's going to, she's going to laugh doing it. Like she's going to enjoy every part of it. Um, To you overall, who's your favorite character? Gabriel, man, I think that full circle moment in the, like the first movie of him and just, that was the reason why he became who he was. Um, and I think him, his character was so just like weird, bro. But he was, <laughs> I didn't know he could fight that good. I forgot how good yeah, his yeah. character can fight. He was beating people up, stabbing people, yeah. talking. Where <laughs> it is written. <laughs> like, bro, like. Are you like, it's a Nas album. <laughs> <laughs> his character was like so crazy, bro. It's like he could not. He lost one time in this film, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that the scene. But he yeah. lost in every other instance. Was he killing. was he was the winner. He was he, yeah. He was ki- literally killing. He was like, <laughs> like, literally I, killing I, I people. Facetiously, like literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now getting to most of the scenes, I had Ethan's runaway fist fight, also Ilsa's last scam, the the cobblestone mm-hmm. car chase, Ethan's um a leap, and also mm-hmm. the collapsing train escape has to be put in the Hall of Fame of one of the best. Mission Impossible sequences. I mean, that was just from every moment you're like, okay, is this are, are they are they gonna make you know they're gonna make it? But bro, it's just the sequencing of it, how it was shot was so good. Yeah, it literally had everybody yeah. in the film I, that that was in the film in the film when I was there. It had everybody on the edge of their seat. Like it just was just gripping mm-hmm. type of action sequencing. I thought it was it was phenomenal. Uh, to you, what were, what were some of your memorable scenes in this one? Obviously, all the ones you always pick the 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 best ones. I'm gonna give you two separate ones outside of that. The scene where they're climbing up into the car and they have to like jump oh, and climb. Yeah. Him and um, uh, Grace, Grace, Ethan yeah. and Grace. That scene was bananas. Um, and then, who did you say the airport scene? Yeah, the, the airport scene as well. It was. You already said that. Okay, you already said that, Porcy. 
Yeah, that was top. And then um, him escaping, Gabriel escaping, thinking um, he has the oh, key. Oh, yeah. I didn't have that one. But he, yeah. he didn't have that key. I thought that was good because that's the only time he's lost. Because he was like, oh, I got him. Y'all going to die again. <laughs> Yeah, and that was a good scene. And then Grace did a phenomenal job, bro. That scene, oh yeah, it's the white kind of. (laughs) Yeah, that character villain was really cool because obviously she's a thief. That's so tough to impersonate somebody else because you really have to like, if you're trying to impersonate somebody, you really have to know them. Be like, okay, this is their mannerisms. This is what they would do. And if you act a little different, it's like. <laughs> it's over with, like, bro. You're not really who you say you are. And then, plus, of what her actions, like, she was trying to cover her butt, and then she kind of like that click of character development and her changing. Like, okay, nah, I'm not trying to be selfish and think about myself. I'm thinking about everybody because I give this to you. The world is going to be in, in a terrible spot. So I thought yeah. that was really dope for her character, and that's when she obviously they accept her into um, the bunch, and now she's going to be a part of. Ethan Hunt's them uh, crew. Thank you. See <laughs> crew love. Now we're back, bro. We just need, yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, and now, now, now getting into most memorable quotes, I had, uh, we live and die in the shadows from Ethan. Also, the world is changing. Truth yeah. is vanishing from, from Ilsa. Um, I just want every everyone to get along with me, especially from the White Widow. Um, his fate is written. Shall, mm-hmm. shall we write yours too, um, from Gabriel? Um, none of your lives can matter more than this mission from Luther. Then finally, your life will always matter more than, uh, more to me yeah. than my own from Ethan. Um, what were your uh, um, some of the some of the uh, some of the quotes that you felt as though just kind of like were the the main standouts in this one? That um, the one you said, the last one you just said. I swear, your life will always matter more than my own. The other one, he was like, his Gabriel said, his fate is written, shall we write yours? And the Ethan said, if anything happens to them, there's no place you and your God will be safe. There's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. Like, he admit every word of that. Ethan and I feel, yeah, it is written. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only ones. You, you said all the other ones. Those were the two that stood out the most. I swear to you, my life will always matter to me. Because obviously you see that in every film, that he goes out his way to try to save and help his friends. And even this film, he's trying to get them away. Like, bro, get away, because they're going to use you guys against me, and I can't focus. But yeah, uh, yeah, those were the two that stood out the most. Yeah, and it's interesting, because like, I think ever since, I mean, well, Luther, um, played by Bing Rames, he's been in the, he was he in the first one? He was in the first one, uh, the original one. He was in yeah. every last one. Every of them. one, last one of them. He just has that 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 chemistry um, with, with with Ethan Hunt and 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 the movie. Mm-hmm. And obviously, just the whole crew has become like a tight knit unit. Like, how much important do you think is Ethan's crew? Like the fact to be that to be able to add because chemistry is something you're, like we're so big on in movies. Like you have chemistry, and the whole crew that Ethan's with, they have chemistry in every film. Yeah, and you look at, I think it, it, it's imprinted in versatility. You look at even Simon Pegg, he's played yeah, serious yeah. roles, like Fat Boy, Fat Run, Fat Boy, and like, you know, he's played in goofball roles. Yeah. And the same as Vin Raines. Vin Raines has played in so many versatile versatile movies that you get into these roles and you just understand what needs what what is needed. Yeah. And, and I think, obviously, Tom Cruise is a versatile uh 
actor as well. So just them being on the top scale, uh, yeah, and understanding what the character needs and what the movie needs to stand out. Because I'm sure they don't hang out all the time outside of set, but I do think they have some type of relationship to like, okay, we can we can translate this on the screen. And even they don't have if they don't have a relationship outside of movies, that's even more incredible for them to have that chemistry on screen. You can tell because Ben Reigns and Simon. Yeah, you you could definitely tell, especially with Ben Reigns and Simon Pegg's characters, because obviously uh, Benji is kind of inferior to Luther Stickle because he's like the ultimate hacker guy. Yeah. And I forgot what Benji even does, to be honest with you. He make, creates the face mask. I think that's what Benji does. <laughs> <laughs> he's the route guy. Yeah. Because even in this movie, it was like, uh, who's who's smarter or something? And he was like, no comment. <laughs> Ethan was like, no comment. I'm not saying anything. So I, I love that chemistry and what everybody brings to the team. Everybody has a specific, everybody specific brings something. role. Yeah, everybody brings something to the team. Yeah. Definitely. Even Foss, even with her being British intelligent and, and being AWOL and stuff and helping them out in the midst of stuff. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to kind of like what do you like the most about the storyline? To me, just, you know, picking an artificial intelligence as the thing that IMF is on the trail of was a, was a fresh pot and, and, it, mm-hmm. and, it, and an addition that made the hunt even more complex is obviously we mentioned before the podcast, like AI, that's obviously a current thing to, to tap into and to address. And they were addressing it um, in a creative way for the film. Like to you, what element of the storyline do you kind of like the most? They didn't try to keep you guessing. And they, they were straightforward. They obviously you knew what was going to happen, but it was still great. Anyways, you knew that uh, when she was running towards, she was going to fight him. She didn't She didn't really want to give the key to Gabriel um, <laughs> Grace. And then you knew yeah. Foss was going to come back. She was, You could saw in her face, oh, she's going to come back and fight. I already knew that was going to happen. And then mm-hmm. Ethan was going to get jumped. Is Something's going to deter him from getting there. But it was yeah. that fight scene in that. Oh, we didn't say that, did we? Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't say that. The fight scene in the thing with him and um, what's her name? What's Paris? Paris. Bro. That was a dope oh, fight scene. So good. Yeah, that so was good. really. There were so dope, many bro. good fight scenes in this in, in this in this movie, man. So many. Yes, so many fight scenes. But yeah, I didn't. I, I like that you didn't know. I mean, they didn't try to keep you guessing. Then try to throw you off. It was straightforward, and, and when it got to the the real plot of the movie, it was straightforward. You knew it was going to happen, but it was still good anyways. The acting was great. And I think sometimes movies try to do that too much, trying to twist the plot. No, Mission Impossible, we're going to have great stunts. We're going to have great fight scenes because the fight scenes are always amazing. Somebody's going to die. And <laughs> yep. Ethan Hunt's going to live. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's what I mean. That's it. the formula. It's, it's a winning formula. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and and now getting to, to our last topic, teams from now, do you still think uh, this will be watchable and intriguing? any Mission Impossible movie will probably <laughs> be watchable and intriguing. And this one, <laughs> yes. I mean, like, it's just, like we said, I think the action scenes are some of the best they've, they, they've had, um, mm-hmm. you know, overall in the, in the catalog. Uh, the, the chase scenes are, are, are so good. Um, I, I feel as though mm-hmm. this is just, just a, a really good spectacle because, like, back-to-back, Fallout in this film and Dead Reckoning Part 1, we don't know how Dead Reckoning Part 2 is going to go, but I, I think these were two back-to-back just great action films for the series. Um, how do you think this movie will age another, another decade from now? Yeah, it's going to age gracefully. But um, I think it's it's so hard to one-up yourself when it comes to fight scenes or, yeah. or 
car chasing scenes and stunts. Every film is something different. The last film he was on the he was hanging on the plane, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before that, he was uh, the movie I really liked. I think it was Ghost Recon or something. Ghost he was yeah. on, yeah, Ghost Protocol with the with the hand gloves. And it, oh, bro, that's yes, a crazy that scene, insane. bro. Insane. Every film they one up themselves with the stunts or whatever they have to do because it's Mission Impossible. So you have to have stuff that's impossible to do. That you know what I mean. <laughs> so being able to jump off that, yeah, that was crazy. And. Tom Cruise being able to do his own stunts will always be Hall of Fame worthy because a lot of people don't do their stunts. And for him to do that, and when he jumped off the roof and broke his ankle, he kept running. I'm not running on Man. a broke ankle. <laughs> oh, not at all. Not at all. That's I'm a having, different I'm type to go of... back to, to, to the list just because there have been, I mean, obviously there, there's so many Mission Impossible movies, like which ones are my top ones. The first one I think is, is, is still near the top of the list. Mm-hmm. The third one yeah. is really good. I'll have that at two. Yes. I think Fallout, the last one, I'll put that at three. Ghost Protocol, I like a mm-hmm. lot at four. Um, yeah. I might put this one at five. Mission Impossible. Okay, I'll put Rogue Nation at five. This one at six. And then the last one, Mission Impossible 2, I wasn't I wasn't feeling that one. Mission Impossible 2 was all right. But I think the other ones were. Yeah, and that wasn't really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad list. You have a particular favorite or or maybe a few that that, that you would say or, 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 or maybe I think Ghost Protocol, you mentioned that one a lot because I think that one yeah, <laughs> is one that stands Ghost out. Protocol. That's when I think Simon Pegg first got on with them. I think that's when he first think, got into the film. I think he got on, or was on it three. Probably, was he I on it three? On three? No, I don't remember him in three. Hold on, let's see. Cause I don't remember. I remember coming on it because his character brought that wittiness, brought that mm-hmm. comedy to it, but also yeah. it was a serious, serious kind of role. Um, shoot, it's gonna be a while before I can. Uh, it's not showing me. Anywho, but Ghost Protocol number uh, Mission Impossible one three. I think three was my favorite. One was second. Ghost Protocol was three. Um. Yeah, I don't. The rest you can you can divvy up the way you want to, but those are three that matter the most. Ghost Protocol. The Mission third Impossible one was his one, first. Mission Impossible three. The third one was his first one. The third one, his first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? I gotta go back and watch it. Then. I gotta go back and watch the third one too. The third one is good. <laughs> I don't remember the plot for the third one. Oh wow! I really do. That not one was remember. back in 06, bro. That one was back in 06. It has been a, a minute since I've seen the third one. He was on that one. Yeah. You sh- yeah, you're. I know you're positive because <laughs> it's not even popping up on his um his movie thing. IMDb. But yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, I'm that on IMDb. Uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol is 2011. Yeah, I don't see him. Fans, listeners, we're doing live research. Oh, mission. Okay, I see it. I see it. I see it. I got to go back and watch it. I got to go find it. I'm watching. I'm watching that one again. That was what they had. Lawrence Fishburne in this one. (laughs) I forgot all about that, bro. I got to go back. (laughs) I got to go back and watch it. 
Yo, oh yes, my goodness, he is. Man. He's, look at him. That's crazy. <laughs> Third one was a wild. That was a really good film, man. They weren't holding back for that one. Yeah, we. Aaron Paul was. I gotta in go it. watch it. I got. Yeah, we might we might be doing we might be doing a review of Mission Impossible Three soon. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> Oh, they had so Billy Crudup. Oh, they had him in here. He's such a great art actor. Owen Davian. I mean, not Owen. Gary, Philip Seymour. Yeah, I remember him being in there. Oh my gosh, just so many hard hitters in this one. That's insane. Yeah, I gotta go watch it. I'm probably gonna try to watch it this weekend. And try to find it. See, back in the day, well, until we used to go to Blockbuster. <laughs> They don't know about that, bro. And you had you had to get one. They don't you had know. to get one. You had to get <laughs> Yes. And it was a treat. It was a treat. Whichever one you got. You better pick the Friday right one. Friday nights was crazy. You better enjoy yes. it. <laughs> oh my god. The worst, gosh, the worst one is when you pick is when is when you get home and you remember, oh, this was not the one I actually wanted to pick. There was a <laughs> <and> you sucked. <laughs> Oh my god! You got to keep it for the, the duration of the day. Oh man! What an era, <laughs> man! But yeah, the Dead Reckoning Part One, really good, really good. And there's yeah, mm-hmm. Dead Reckoning Part Two. W- w- this might it might be a four hour film. Who knows? <laughs> might be four hours. Who oh knows? <laughs> he said Tom Cruise literally said in the interview, he "said man, we had to edit out so much for the first one." I'm like, if he said that for the first one. I don't even know how the second one's gonna be, so it's it's gonna it's definitely gonna be interesting. That's insane. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host one the burns on my counterpart say by Morris. Suspendable scope. See you later.